Hello and welcome to the ETOP 21 Sports Podcast for August 25th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOP 21 Sports. We have an absolutely phenomenal show lined up for you today. Unfortunately, no Jim today as I'm on vacation and Jim and I's schedules could not match up. Jim is the hardest working man in social media. Make sure to give him a follow. But we have Brandon talking NASCAR and we have Nick coming in and talking fantasy football, doing a fantasy football preview of the San Francisco 49ers, Philadelphia Eagles, and the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. Make sure to check all that. Before I jump into all that, big news yesterday. My favorite wrestler, Bray Wyatt, passed away. Rest in peace, Bray. You are surely going to be missed. Gone way too young. Thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Tragic situation. I just I, I had to say something. Favorite guy, favorite wrestler. But I, I just want to move on. So I'm sorry. I just want to say something moving on. Like I said, great show. Um, this type of year is funny to me, though. Like, it's it's funny to me because I'm looking at Twitter, X, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And all these guys, all these cappers, all these people claiming to be all these winning betters when it comes to football. But it's funny to me because these guys just transcend. They go from one sport to another. And you can always tell who the hacks are just because now they're hyping up their NFL. College basketball starts. They're going to be hyping up the college basketball. NBA starts hyping up NBA hockey, hyping up hockey. And then baseball starts up and hypes up again. You guys just need to be careful. You just need to do your research. There's a lot of guys out here that are hacks. A lot of guys don't know their shit. If someone's hyping a 10-unit play, a whale-unit play, run. Because those people are con artists and they're just trying to scam you for money. That's my heads up for you. But like I said, we have a great show for you lined up today. Let's hop right into it. Let's talk a little NASCAR with Brandon, a.k.a. Boston Boy 83 We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some NASCAR, and who better to come on than Brandon, a.k.a. Boston Boy 83 Brandon, how are you doing today, my man? I'm already stressing, my dude. Already stressing. So let's rewind to last week. Do we have to? And Watkins Glen. You're going to have fun with this. I'm not going to I'm not going to glow about a certain bet I made. But obviously in the world of sports, when mistakes are made in a must-win situation, people pay a consequence. With what happened with Elliot, him with the crew chief saying, "Put on your reserve, you got two more laps left," and then he ran out of fuel. What is going to be the repercussion of that? Are we going to see a new crew chief, people switching around in the um, in his crew? Like, what's going to happen with that? I don't think you're going to see anything happen because I, I believe, first off, Alan Gustafson is a great crew chief. He's won a title with Elliott. He's been in the playoffs. Like, there's so many scenarios that they haven't released that we don't know. There's a reserve tank, and – the engineer, the crew chief, they get together, realize, okay, reserve tank is full. You're able to go X amount of laps. He was told two laps, barely made it a lap. So a couple things go in. when. So they always put the gas can on a scale after they fill the tank to see if there's any gas still left in it. We don't know is that when they pitted last time, did they get it completely full? Were they going based off of a full tank? Um I don't, again, I don't think you'll say anything happened. It was very unfortunate. It's a weird circumstance to even see because usually a crew chief, 
will tell you you have two laps in reserve when really you have three, but he doesn't want you to push it to it. So I don't know what happened. You could hear him on the radio the second he said I'm out of gas. It was just like this whole blah. I don't think anything will happen to Gustafson because it's just been a bad year. The suspension, the broken leg, the the wrecks, him not performing. I think it's just it's a lot going on for him right now. And you bring up a good point. It's like he's never got momentum. And right now he's on the outside looking in. If way back when in February, when we started doing these, if I would have told you come August 2020, what when's the race? 26th, 27th, that he would be in position 21, needing a win to get into the playoffs, you would tell me I'm crazy. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now, and there's three people that don't have a win that are in the playoff convention. Kozlowski, Harvick, and Wallace. Kozlowski and Harvick are in pretty much. Wallace, still 50-50. On his heels, you have Ty Gibbs. After Ty Gibbs, we got Daniel Suarez. We got Dinger. We got Bowman, another guy who figured to be in the playoff chase, outside looking in. Then Elliott, then Cendrick, then Haley. All the way down at 25, we got... Almarillo, 29, we got Austin Dillon. Um, what a is like who do you think gets that last spot? If you had to guess, who do you think would get that last spot? Bubba. Bubba, okay. Mm. The reason I say that is you have so many you have so many names looking at the list. Byron Truex, Hamlin, Larson, Bush, Bell, Chastine, Blaney, Reddick. And that's not even – that's a handful of guys that already have a win. That I could see winning Sunday and Bubba playing it safe to make sure he doesn't screw up his 32-point lead. On the flip side, absolutely see a must-win-to-get-in type driver, and then Bubba's out. Because if, 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 if Ty Gibbs, Suarez, Dinger, Bowman, Elliott, Cindric, Haley, Priest, Almendinger, or Almarola – get a win, Bubba's out regardless of his points. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. So it it's 50-50. My betting advice this week, personally, I'm going with somebody that needs to win to get in. Because if they are up front at the end of the race, they will turn somebody. Like, they'll put a bumper. They'll, like, something's going to happen. Because if, if you're one spot behind to get that win and you're in the playoffs, you're going to do something you probably shouldn't to get in. So... I have three bets. You know what? I may have I may have talked myself into a fourth bet. I got um, four. All right, so I will let you kick off while, while I look at someone's odds. Um, if you guys are listening and you've listened to previous podcasts and, and bets, it's going to sound like you're watching a repeat. Number nine, Chase Elliott, eleven to one. Horrible season, broken legs, suspension, no win. Wins at Daytona, great at Super Speedways. Hendricks great at super speedways. His two teammates, Byron Larson, are, or, uh, yeah, Byron and Larson already in. He'll get help from them. They're also going to help Bowman, but I personally believe that depending who is up at the front, that's who they're going to make sure they work with. So if you come down to five to go and you have Chase, Byron, and Larson all together, those two guys are going to do what they can to push their teammate to a win. So, and it could be vice versa for Bowman, but the number nine, 11 to one, Chase Elliott. 
my first one. And you know what? I'm going to a top 10, and this is going to surprise a lot of people. This driver has six top 10s in his last seven races at Daytona. Worst finish in that time span was 15th. On super speedways this year, 10th in the first Atlanta race, 6th at Daytona earlier, 29th at Talladega, 3rd at the second Atlanta race. And this name's going to surprise you because he's very vocal just about not liking super speedways. And that driver is dinger. Top 10, plus 160. That's a little weird. You know what I mean? That's that's a little weird to see him be doing this well. And I'm just going to ride it just because when you read those stats, there's no way he should be plus 160 to finish top 10. No, not at all. So I'm going to do that. What uh, What is your next one, my friend? The Hendrick teammate, Alex Bowman, 18 to 1. Same thing. Hendrick's great at super speedways. You got two teammates already in. Alex Bowman, 18 to 1. That's it. So, because Bowman and Elliott are both on Hendrick, right? Correct. Bowman and Hendrick, Bowman and Elliott are going for the win. Who deep down does Hendrick want to win? Elliot. Why is that? Fan base. Really? NASCAR is the most popular driver the last, what, five years in a row now? Okay. So, you know, if he gets in, Hendrick's going to sell so much swag for playoffs, T-shirts, and tickets. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let, let, let's, let's, let's move on to your next pick, because I get to shit on one of your picks today. That's fine, dude. You know what, dude? I, I like I, I I embrace the hate. Dude. Um, I'm going Ryan Blaney, thirteen to one. Yes. Last six races, five top tens, worst finish, fifteenth. Blaney's results this year at Super Speedways: Daytona eighth, Atlanta ninth, Talladega second, Atlanta seventh. Good results this year. Historically, one of the best Super Speedway racers. Not really racing with any pressure. I'm going to take a shot here. I'm going to take Ryan Blaney, 13 to 1. I like it. What uh, What is your next one, my friend? Uh, Mr. Danny Suarez, 28 to 1. Trackhouse has been fast all year. His teammates in. Now, granted, he's only got one teammate to work with, but on the flip side, he is driving a Chevy, so he's going to have Chevy to work with. So something that you guys don't know or may not know, excuse me, manufacturers get pissed if you don't work with the same manufacturer at super speedways. You will see Chevys pushing Chevys, Ford pushing Fords. You will rarely see a Ford helping a Chevy or a Toyota helping a Ford. That rarely happens unless you're just lined up behind each other. So with the amount of Chevys that need a win to get in, like Suarez, Dinger, Bowman, Elliott, Haley, even LaJoy, you're going to see a lot of Chevys pushing somebody to try and get a win. So I like Mr. Danny Suarez at 28 to 1. All right. So Suarez is obviously on the same team as um, what this face chest team. So those guys are first, second. Does Ross let him win? Absolutely. Ross would slow it down, let him win, let him get in, you think? 100%. Okay. 
Same goes with Byron and any teammate that is already locked in. If they're in a line with each other, you do not pull out and jeopardize your teammate getting into the playoffs. If you do, I mean, it's hard to win in this series in general. So you want to win every race you can, especially Daytona, but it's not the Daytona 500. So, so someone like Chris Buescher, first place, Brad Kozlowski, second place, Kozlowski, teammate, Kozlowski, part owner of RFK. Goes for the win. Does Chris just ease off the gas and just nope. say, there you go, kid? No, we're both in the playoffs. I'm racing you, bud. Oh, yeah, because Brad, Brad doesn't need to win, though. That's yeah. what I'm saying. If you're two teammates that are already locked in, you're fighting for the win. If your teammate does not have a win, you're an asshole if you even think to try and pull out and not get a win. Unless I've thought about this the other day. I was like, what if Larson knows that Elliott's going to be somebody to really contend with if he gets into the playoffs? Why would I let him win? Why would I make my competition in the playoff more difficult by allowing a previous champion into the playoff. So do I pull out a lot? So a lot goes into it, but I think all the chemistry that you have to have with everybody, I mean, that's like if a quarterback needs another pass to set pass for 500 yards. But if I get another, I don't know where I was going with that. I was trying to say. I I mean, it's it's just something to think about. Um, My last one, I'm just taking a shot here with Kozlowski. You just kind of look at it this year. Granted, Daytona, he started off bad. He had 22nd. But after that, six at Atlanta, five at Talladega, finished second in the second race in Atlanta. And RFK was peaking, especially Kozlowski, going into those road courses. Historically, he does struggle at the road course. Historically, it does done better at the super speedway. I think he's a little bit under the radar here. And... On a more traditional race course, away from the road courses, I get a real hot team, a team that seemed to be peaking going into the playoffs. I'll take Kozlowski at 13 to 1. I like it. The only thing I will say, nobody wants to work with him at Super Speedway. Busher has to, though. Busher legitimately has to. He does, but they're not near each other. Forget that. I'm just saying <laughs> the problem, the problem with Kozlowski. At a super speedway, he's a horrible pusher, horrible, and yeah. he wrecks everybody all the time at super speedways. That's why last time at Daytona, he's twenty second. Like he just is very he he is the Joey Logano of every other track. He is overly aggressive at super speedways. So I personally don't like that pick. How do you, yeah for the hate? You know what, dude? I'm fine with it, dude. You know, I'm not. I'm not I'm, sensitive, dude. I'm 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 fine. So you think I'm sensitive? I, you know, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not Kevin Durant, and I have freaking different accounts on Twitter to like shit talk people that shit talk me, dude. I like you would be amazed how many DMs I get of people just shit talking me. Oh, like, I, I, it's fucking. I love it, dude. I fucking love it. Um, I, I will go with one long shot driving the forty-two car. I will go with Josh Berry at sixty Ooh. to one. Okay. Okay. He's great in the Xfinity series. He's already signed his deal to be a Cup driver next year to take over Kevin Harvick, and he's filling in for Neil Gregson. So I absolutely like Josh Berry at a whopping sixty to one. 
We've had a couple of these 60 to one. So I'm trying to end the season finale with another one. I like that one. My last one, I'm going 60 to one here and I'm just taking someone. He won back here in 2019. I think he's a good super speedway driver. I think he's someone that if stuff gets a little crazy to the end, we could see him in a position to win. He was in a position to win. I know I granted, I know this is a completely different course earlier in the year in Chicago, just because there are some shenanigans, position to win. I'm taking Justin Haley 60 to 1. Do you know why he won in 2019? Because of rain. Okay. You know, so, but that's just a weird thing that happened. He just happened to be in the right spot at the right time. You know, he does, have top, he does have five top tens at Super Speedways before. He does historically has won well at Daytona. I think he is a good Super Speedway driver. And I'm seeing 60 to 1 at one book. Every other book has him down at 40, 45 to 1. The book that I'm using, he is at 66 to 1. So even better, dude. Even fucking better, dude. He's at 66 to 1 on the book that you use, which I am banned from because I... They don't you don't know what book I use. I know what book you lose, buddy, so... But, Brandon, I'd like to thank you for coming on and talking some NASCAR. Congratulations on your second-place finish at the Daytona in your iRacing. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and when your next race is? Boston Boy 83 Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter. Uh, I'm off the next two weeks. I'll be traveling, so I'm going to miss a couple races. I'm able to use, like, a pro- provisional or whatever they call it to where I don't drop in points for one race. Um, so I'll be back in three weeks. I don't know where that track is because I haven't looked that far ahead. But uh, we've done six races this season, one DNF and 25th at Richmond. Other than that, every race, top 10, a couple top fives, a win. Feeling good. The team's good. The setups are phenomenal. And uh, big shout out to all those guys. So we're doing work. Make sure to give my boy Brandon a follow and uh, let's cash some tickets. And we'll talk next week, my friend. Good luck. Please give my boy Brandon a follow at BostonBoy83. Now let's shift our attention over to fantasy football and talk fantasy football with Nick, a.k.a. at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. We've reached a part of the podcast where we're talking some fantasy football, and who better than come on than Nick, a.k.a. at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Nick, how you doing today, my man? Great. What's up, Eric? Nothing much. Crazy to think how in two weeks – we're going to be starting the NFL season, and we'll be doing our weekly uh, DFS money. What are they called? 50-50 slate games. Totally spaced yep. there. Um, <laughs> but we have three more teams. Crazy to think we only have three more teams left. We're going to talk the 49ers, Eagles, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, let's start off with the 49ers. With the 49ers, we really don't know what's going on with the quarterback position. I know they've named Purdy the starter, but – you have Lance, you have Darnold. It wouldn't surprise me if we see all three of them if they don't cut Lance. What's your head at with the 49ers? Yeah, I mean, Purdy's a starter for now. <clears throat> I think he'll he'll stay the starter, you know, but Darnold's – they said Darnold's number two and Trey Lance, you know, I, I really think he's going to get traded or he's just going to fall off the face of the earth, you know, one of the two. But <laughs> it's – I – you know, we've never been high on Trey Lance, so uh, Trey Lance is CFL Edmonton Elks were in all over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just not. I'm. I'm really not in on the quarterback position for the 49ers at all, just because it's just a mess. 
Oh. And that's putting it politely. Yeah. <laughs> CMC is the bell call back. His ADP is two. He's RB1. He's a perfect fit for the zone running concept with the Niners losing not one, not two, but three starting offensive linemen. What can we expect from him? And where would you draft him? Yeah, one thing to note is that CMC's targets per game actually dropped by two targets a game after being traded to the 49ers. Yes, he works well with this offensive concept, but I'm concerned about his health, as as most people are. You know, He's very injury-prone, and the Niners need to be smart about not running him into the ground. Um, we all know that CMC is a great running back, but I believe a lot of us have been burned by his injury bug in past seasons. Um, I think he's a risky RB1 draft pick. In my opinion, you know, if you're drafting CMC, you need to draft another stud running back in the second round and a handcuff later on. It doesn't necessarily have to be CMC's handcuff, but somebody that's behind another injury-prone running back that can, you know, come into that RB2 spot if needed as kind of an insurance play there, insurance play. In the 49ers passing game, we have Debo Samuel, with, who has an ADP of 32 and wide receiver 15. Brandon Ayuk, ADP of 71 and wide receiver 28. We got George Kittle, ADP of 49, tight end four. What are your thoughts with those players I just mentioned? Yeah, as we talked about on another podcast about Samuel, you know, if the 49ers are smart, they'll use Debo in the running game as well as the passing game. You know, he's he's such a dynamic player that can that can do both very well. Um, you know, and I think it'd be smart for them to use him in the running game to keep CMC healthy uh, because, you know, you've other running backs behind um, CMC, like Elijah Mitchell, he's injured all the time. Um, their third stringer may come up and be be the number two guy, but I think the best play for them is to use Debo uh, both ways, passing game, running game, and that will help keep CMC healthy. So I like Samuel here because he can be a fantasy goldmine if they do utilize him both ways. Um, I'm not in on Brandon Ayuk. I'm fading him this year. I mean, is he truly a talented player? I mean, yes, he's, he's inconsistent though. Um, take last year, his first five games, he scored 6.7, 11.3, 12.9, 7.7, 8.8, not great numbers. And then he had a big 28 point game. But at that point, I, I would think most owners had him benched or, um, or they traded him. So you missed out on the big production. He's too up and down for my liking. He had three games where he scored over 20, but five games where he scored under 10. He finished 25th in points per game, and because of the injuries to other wide receivers in the league, he finished higher than he would have if those players didn't get hurt. I just think he's he's too inconsistent, um, in my opinion. Um, as for the, George, yeah, go ahead. One of the complaints that I got, and it made sense to me, is you know you mentioned how he started off to start the season people just benched him or they cut him. You know what I mean? Cause he was just, he didn't have that big game. So that's the risk with Ayuk. I mean, everyone, for me, I would rather have a guy like Keenan Allen, someone I know is consistently going to get 13, 14, 15 points. I don't want Ayuk who averaged 9.9 for the year. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't want someone like that. 
I would like, I, I get what you're saying. I want someone that is going to consistently be over 14 points per game. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as, as for George Kittle, I mean, I'm not one to take a tight end early in the draft, but he is a super talented tight end, obviously with explosive playability. Um, one thing to note, actually, in the last four weeks of the regular season last year, he scored seven touchdowns, seven. And who was the quarterback? Brock Purdy. So, <clears throat> you know, there's definitely an upside there. I'm just not one of those guys who, you know, goes in and takes these these tight ends that early. So maybe, you know, those listening for the betting aspect of the podcast, maybe looking to play Kittle anytime touchdown score, get over two to one. Maybe that's the play to do some Kittle stuff. Um, Now let's shift over to the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts was a fantasy football darling last season, finishing as QB three and overall the number three player, but was hurt for the semifinals and championship round of the playoffs with his current ADP of 22 and quarterback three. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, even with the change in coordinators they have there at uh, at Philly, I don't see him dropping off. You know, he's motivated to get back to the Super Bowl. And with the O-line he has, you know, I just see him as a lock top five quarterback. I don't, I don't think you can go wrong with him. And the, the important thing to remember about Brian Johnson, who's coming in as the offensive coordinator, he actually played high school ball under Hurts' old man. He has known Jalen Hurts since Hurts was like sixth, fifth, fifth, sixth grade. So these guys have a good relationship. So I really don't think that's going to hurt that much, maybe with some play calling to start the season. But I think as it goes on, it's going to it's going to do good. Um, the running back room, former Lion DeAndre Swift, former Seattle Seahawk Rashad Penny are coming in to replace Miles Sanders. You have Kenneth Gainwell there. Are there, I mean, is there anyone we're targeting or fading in this backfield? <laughs> well, it's just another season, another backfield by committee for the Eagles. And with Jalen Hurts sniping touchdowns from them as well, like, I'm just not, I'm not in on the Eagles backfield. I just can't trust it. I mean, you also have to think they, they did re-sign Boston Scott as well. Um, so, also, the Eagles finished dead last in running back targets out of the backfield last season, so we don't even get an extra output there. Swift's an efficient runner, but injuries for me are worrisome, and if he doesn't score touchdowns, then you're going to be very disappointed if you draft him, to be honest. There's just too many running backs in Philly for me to really hone in on one. I don't, I mean, I would rather take Jalen Hurts over anybody in that backfield, you know, for the, for the running and rushing touchdown upside. Yeah, it's really hard to predict. Uh, it's just such an efficient running back. And, you know, Swift, Penny have injury history. Gainwell hasn't really shown he can be that bell call back. No. So I, I, think, I think it's a stay away. We have A.J. Brown finishes wide receiver six, overall 19th, currently has an ADP of 12 wide receiver six. What are your thoughts on Mr. Brown? Oh, I'm, you know, I'm in on AJ Brown. You know, he had double digit targets in 14 of the 17 games last year. He had a team high 29% target share and was top five in yards per route ran yards per reception yards after the catch total touchdowns and receiving touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> enough said, sir. I mean, absolutely, <laughs> sir. 
Let's yeah. say you're on the clock and you need to draft Stefan Diggs or AJ Brown. Who are you going with? I mean, I, you can't really, I, I don't think you can really go wrong with either. I mean, Stefan Diggs, we talked about before, you know, he's Mr. Consistency over the past three years, but I'll go with Brown only because he's younger and doesn't command all of the attention of the defense due to Smith being on the other side. So I'll, I'll give Brown the slight edge there. Devontae Adams or Brown? Uh, AJ Brown, just due to the QB situation in Las Vegas. Now, Devontae Smith finishes wide receiver nine, overall 18th, and currently ADP of 27, wide receiver 12. What are your thoughts on the former Heisman Trophy winner? Oh, I love this guy. I love Devonta Smith. Um, you know, how can you not like a wide receiver two that has 95 catches in a regular season? Um, you know, the Eagles also have the 12th easiest strength of schedule for wide receivers this year. Um, so, you know, I, I just... I just can't get enough of Devonta Smith. <laughs> now, my this is my okay. Smith or Chris Olave? Oh, <laughs> now that this this is a tough one. I I love this one. Um, you know, but I'll say I'll just say Olave because he because Derek Carr is there now. I think if he becomes the favorite target. Olave could put up Devonte Adams numbers potentially, as we talked about a few weeks ago with Olave, he's in for a positive TD regression this year. He left a lot out on the field. So I think the, the, the touchdown numbers, if they go up the way we think they are, I, I really think Olave's in for a huge year. Smith or Jalen Waddle, excuse me. Oh, I like Devonta Smith over Jalen Waddle. I mean, I, I just trust Hurts over Tua any day. Now, with Gallus Goddard, he's tight end seven, ADP of 70. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I like Goddard. Uh, I believe there's value where he is right now in terms of ADP. Uh, he finished as tight end 12 last year, but he missed five games. And he actually averaged the fifth most fantasy points per game. And if he played a full season, he could have finished as high as tight end three. Mm-hmm. So I think there is some potential value there with him. My, my one worry with the Eagles is this. Are they so dominant that they're not in close games? Or are they just content with winning 11 12 games. You know what I mean? Like they're just content with not, you know what I mean? They're trying to keep people healthy. They're, they're not really trying to put up these big numbers. They're content with only winning 12 games. Do you, you know what I mean? Do you see them kind of take their foot off the throttle? I don't. I think, I think they are so motivated to get back to the Super Bowl again this year and win it. Um, you've seen it with the chiefs, um, you know, and even, you see the motivation even with Cincinnati, um, you know, just always pushing, pushing, pushing. I, I don't, I don't see them taking their foot off the gas. I see them burning them into the ground, burning all their opponents into the ground. And with that new defensive line, Oh man, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> now to our last team, the Kansas city chiefs Mahomes is Mahomes, No doubt current ADP of 14 
overall? Will you be targeting him this season? I mean, I'm not usually the guy that drafts a quarterback in the first or second round. Um, so I'm not going to target him because I just focus on other positions first. But yes, Mahomes is Mahomes. I mean, <laughs> if you're a guy who goes after quarterbacks first, I mean, you're, you're not going to go wrong with Mahomes, of course. You know that. Everybody knows that. Now, in the running back room, you have McKinnon had a role for the back quarter of the season. You have Pacheco, who looked like he could be the alpha dealing with a shoulder injury. Obviously, Clyde Edwards-Alaire could be cut. I think he's out. It seems that he's not. He's a non-conversation piece in my in my eyes. What are your thoughts on McKinnon and Pacheco? I'm actually in on Pacheco. You know, he's an aggressive, hard runner that's looking for an expanded role this season, especially in the passing game. You saw late last season he had an uptick in receptions. They were really starting to get him the ball out of the backfield. Um, I know McKinnon's still there, but he's 30 years old, and he, he should be slowing down. You know, I like Pacheco to take a chunk out of McKinnon's production from last season. I see value here where Pacheco is currently RB29 in PPR scoring ranks. I believe he is a locked top 25 running back with a potential top 20 upside. Ooh, ooh, Nick. I know, Coming bold predictions. Hot. Coming in hot. <laughs> I like Pacheco. He's, I mean, come on, he's from Rutgers. It's like the Ray Rice like bloodline going. <laughs> um, wide receiver, there's really not a number one between Sky Moore Davius Coney, MBS. They have Ricky James of the Giants is there. You got the Ricky Rice. Is there anyone that we should be interested in? I mean, as you've seen in the past, Mahomes loves to spread it around. So I'm not I'm not really in on any of these guys because they're not gonna make or break your or they're they're not gonna make your fantasy lineup. Um, you know, there could be some situational plays in DFS that you could use one of these guys. I mean but there's a lot of boomer bust <laughs> with uh, with the way Mahomes spreads it around. So, you know, if you decide to take Mahomes, you get all of it then, you know, including Kelsey. I, I, I'm just not in on, on the wide receiver group in Kansas City, you know, picking one guy over another. Now, Kelsey's Kelsey. He's an ADP of five. What are your thoughts on him? You know, he is getting up, you know, he is getting up there. He's a little bit more mature if you will (laughs) what are your thoughts on mr kelsey yeah i mean we talked about this before he's getting older is this a year where kelsey falls out of that number one tight end spot i mean even if he does he's still going to be a top three tight end uh so you know he's still he's still that guy but i'm just not i've never been a guy to pick a tight end in the first round, even though it's uh, everybody keeps saying it's Travis Kelsey. I still am not, I'm not doing it. I'm just, I'm just standing my ground in my strategy. I'm just not drafting a guy in the first round or early second round as a tight end. So hypothetically you have picked 12. You're on the horn. You wouldn't go Kelsey Mahomes back to back. I would not. It is a strategy. I know people are tossing it around. I'm not doing it though. Okay. Interesting. I wouldn't do it either for what it's worth. Um, Nick, this has been fun. We've gone through every single team. 
Uh, next week, we're going to shift over with the majority of people drafting those couple days before the Tuesday, Wednesday, before the season starts on the Thursday. Next week, Nick and I are going to be talking about just kind of what our draft strategies are. So we'll be going over that. So make sure to look out for that. Make sure to give Nick a follow at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Nick's going to be on the ETOF21 Sports Show this Tuesday talking fantasy football in the fantasy football spotlight. So make sure to check that out. I'd like to thank you for coming on and we'll talk soon, my friend. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Make sure to give my boy Nick a follow at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. That's it for the podcast. Before I do anything else, I have to say, if you have not watched BS High, you have to watch that. That is an absolutely mind-blowing documentary. And that dude is such a piece of shit. That dude had these kids' eviction notice, putting in PP loads during COVID. Mind-blowing stuff. And he looked fucking awful. Looked like such a schmuck, dude. And then the kids just got screwed. The quarterback, whose name I'm spacing, was going to go to Grambling, but now he can't go to Grambling because he went there. Just like a big and effing clusterfuck, and then nothing happened to him. He completely doomed with the system. You know what? I bet you he does it again. I bet you that guy does that again, and he screws over kids. Mind-blogging documentary. Great job by HBO. I hope that guy doesn't get paid for it. If you haven't watched it, make sure to check that out. That's it for the podcast. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Make sure to watch the ETOF 2-1 Sports Show this Tuesday with XFL Jim is on. We'll preview the North AFC. And that's the last one of the preview, so make sure to check that out. And also, the College Football Tailgate is going to be live tomorrow morning, 9.30 Eastern Time. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Until next week, boys and girls.